listening to The Good Fight, where campus meets Christ. Greetings. I am Timothy Kinneman. And I'm Grace Lita Gonzalez. And uh, welcome to another episode of The Good Fight. Um, today, we are continuing what we started last week, but this week we're doing something a little different because we're uh, looking at it from a different frame of reference. This week, our frame of reference is love. Yeah, so we've titled this episode, Jesus Loves Me. Um, and if you grew up in church, you probably know the song, like, Jesus loves me, this I know. Cult classic. For the Bible tells me so. Anyway, wonderful song. Um, and so we're going to be, as Tim said, continuing off from where we were talking last week on our discussion of faithfulness. Um, and we're going to be kind of talking about this, how, like, the continuation of God's covenant with his people. And so continuing that story, we left it a bit of a cliffhanger. Bit of a cliffhanger. Um, yes. Always, so, always healthy. Yeah, Judah's in captivity and <laughs> under the Babylonians. Uh, very exciting very exciting stuff and so we kind of discussed last week that there's going to be a prompt like god made a promise to his Mm -hmm. people he made a covenant that his people walked away from that covenant and so now we're going to get to discuss kind of this new covenant today um focusing on kind of the love that jesus has and that's why we called it jesus loves me because (laughs) it'll be discussing kind of the actions of jesus it will all make sense yeah why that's such like why that is love so Just to kind of do a brief recap of what we talked about last week, um, we kind of began by looking at two of the earlier covenants that God had with um, his people, the Israelites. And so first we talked about, actually, before we got to the covenants, we talked about the destruction of the the relationship between God and man. At the very beginning. At the very beginning. Um, And then God's attempts to restore that, I shouldn't say it, God's attempt, but like man's failing, <laughs> man's continual failing to restore that relationship um, through the or methods. uphold the relationship. Uphold, uphold? the covenant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that God um, instituted in these covenants. So the first covenant between Abraham and God, um, the, the promise of the land of Canaan, um, the promise to be the God of the Israelite people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on man's uh, side of the bargain, to be obedient and faithful to God. Um, and then the second covenant with David, so after the Israelites go through this whole process, um, they establish a kingdom. And then um, David, uh, the, the covenant between God and David then, is that David's kingdom will last forever. Mm-hmm. His, uh, his lineage will be kings uh, with authority for all eternity. And then, unfortunately, uh, the kingdom of Israel uh, and Judah, because there's complicated history where they split apart at one point. Fight each other a little bit. They, they don't uphold uh, their end of the covenant with Abraham. Right. Instead, they... With God? With God and Abraham. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant. Instead, they, um, as um, the verse in uh, Jeremiah put it, I believe, uh, committed adultery. They went off and, and worshipped other gods and uh, did not seek the relationship with God that they 
were uh, required to in the covenant with Abraham. Mm -hmm. And so what we ended up with was captivity for both Israel and Judah. Israel first by the... Assyrians, I believe. I looked it up afterwards. <laughs> now we know. Now we know. And the, um, the kingdom of Judah by the Babylonians. And that's where we left off mm -hmm. was uh, Israel is in captivity. But we said uh, God had promised in Jeremiah and in Isaiah. First in Jeremiah, we said he promised peace um, and restoration. And then in Isaiah, he promised something much deeper. Uh, he promised, he promised in Isaiah that their hard service would be completed, um, that their sins would actually be paid for. Um, something a little deeper than just this idea of earthly peace, and that they would actually receive double good for all of the sin they had committed. So that's the those were the promises we left off with. Now let's resume the story. Um, what happens to Israel now that they're in captivity? Yeah, so let's jump maybe into Ezra. We have a continuation. Um, to the very beginning of Ezra. Ezra is a book in the Old Testament. Ezra is a prophet. Basically, you have the fall of Jerusalem under captivity, where it's destroyed. They're in exile in Babylon. Mm -hmm. um, and then Ezra and Nehemiah, which Nehemiah is the book that comes after Ezra, basically tell the story of the rebuilding of Israel. The or, yeah, they're, sorry, not Israel. The rebuilding of Jerusalem. The rebuilding of, of peace yes. for uh, God's people. So the beginning of Ezra says, Ezra, um, starting in Ezra 1.1, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Prussia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, wink, wink, that's where we were last week, mm -hmm. uh, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of per uh, Persia, to, yeah, did I say Prussia before? I don't know. You might have. To make a proclamation through his realm and also to put it in writing. Um, this is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has anointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem and Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. So you see already this idea of well, peace returning for the Israelites, that they're allowed to, the remnant is allowed to go back and, and rebuild their nation, granted, of course, that it is still under the authority mm -hmm. of the Persians. So they don't actually get this restoration of a full nation. Right. They're still, um, I don't know, nestled within somebody else's rule. And this is the case for the rest of the history of the Israelites. Yeah. And so maybe a little bit context of like, this is coming just after the Babylonians kind of, the Babylonians were taken over by the Persian empire. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of why there is this shift in whose authority they're under. Um, and so now basically Jews are being given the permission by the king to go back to Jerusalem, which had been destroyed mm -hmm. to go back and rebuild. Um, and then as time kind of progresses, we do have, so Jews are still in Jerusalem by the time, as like the story continues over the next period mm -hmm. of time, which is like, great, it's returning to their land. But it's not quite fulfilled yet because they're still under yeah. the reign 
of others. And so ultimately, I think they're, they have a few other people who reign over them mm-hmm. before ultimately the what we're getting to. It's the Roman Empire yes. who is taken over. And so now they're under the authority of the Roman Empire, but living in the promised land in Jerusalem. Yes. So if we actually return to that promise in Isaiah um, and read a little bit beyond it, I think what we see is a great connection for a continuation of our history into the next, mm-hmm. uh, the next big event, which is going to be this interesting figure called Jesus. And so after the, the bit of the promise that we read last week in Isaiah 40, it continues in verse 3, um, kind of poetical, I guess. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God, Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What does this mean? What is what is God promising in this? He's promising like complete restoration. Complete restoration. Um, I think you also see this later on a few verses down in verse 9, where it says, You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. Mm -hmm. Um, See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and he uh, recompense. There we go. Uh, and, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms, and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. So for me, what I'm seeing the most here is, um, right, in, in verse 3, prepare the way for the Lord. Mm-hmm. In verse 9, as you read, here is your God. Yeah. It's not just a restoration. It's a specific, there's a specific action within this restoration and that is god himself coming to the people of israel presenting himself and uh them accepting him and um needless to say uh don't give me all the credit for this because i'm only like two thousand years behind uh, (laughs) the first people to make this connection um and so actually in the gospels we see this connection Mm -hmm. explicitly laid out yeah So the beginning of Mark um, goes, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God, as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, wink, wink, that's where we were. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So the first character we get, (laughs) the the first character we get in this new, in this new uh, era, I guess, Mm -hmm. is this interesting figure called John the Baptist. Um, Now we have two interesting figures. The first one, John the Baptist. Very interesting fellow. He wore clothing made of camel's camel's hair. And he ate Um, locusts. He ate locusts with wild honey. Delicious. Yum, yum. What a, what a treat. <laughs> and so John the Baptist is acting as that voice calling out in the wilderness. He is the messenger. He is the one saying, prepare the way for the Lord. Um, but then who is the Lord? 
Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the question, right? Who's going to follow up on what John the Baptist is saying? Right, because in Mark, it says uh, the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the mm-hmm. son of God. What is, yeah. what does this mean? Yeah, you ask a good question. I mean, it's, I mean, you have the Lord. I was just, I got a little distracted there for a moment because I was double checking that um, the word for the Lord there is um is Yahweh, which mm-hmm. in Old Testament is. Um and so it's it's saying that like make the way for, of, for God himself. Yeah, for God himself. God himself name. is coming. Um which is kind of a I don't know, that's kind of key. And what you have here is is basically um actually sorry, wait, it's actually Jehovah, but also a proper name for God. Mm-hmm. Um you you're basically directly being told that God is coming. Like that God is coming. It's like well what is, how is God coming mm-hmm. is the next big question. Um, and maybe a little spoiler alert, not that much of a spoiler alert, but we started that whole passage by saying that it's the beginning of the gospel mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ, the son of God, who, if you remember our early conversations, like way back when, when we were talking about the Trinity, he is God. Mm-hmm. He is Jehovah. Yes. And um, that's very much what we're going to cover now is what is the gospel and so uh, a great oft often quoted verse for what this gospel story means like very 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 often quoted is john 316 um and and john 316 reads for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life so God loved the world. He loved us, um, right? And that's what we've seen um, in the idea of continual covenants, right, yeah. of restoring that relationship. But now... Um, and sorry, just a key note that might be interesting to kind of, before we jump, well, yes, which is that um, when we're given the actual genealogy of christ mm-hmm. he comes he is a descendant of king david yes um which is key in thinking about i i thought of that because here you have this I, this sense of like eternal life mm-hmm. and if you remember from before the covenant made with david was that he would his his descendants would reign forever, forever mm-hmm. for all of eternity so it's start thinking about what that might mean if jesus is a descendant um and he will give us eternal life mm-hmm. maybe he he will be reigning. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So keep that in the back of your mind. <laughs> so this love that God has, just to return, this love that God has for us, shown through his faithfulness and continual covenants. Mm-hmm. And now it's like a step beyond that. Um, we have a new covenant. This idea that God will give us his one and only son, mm-hmm. whatever that means. I suppose we'll have to talk about that. <laughs> and that... Through belief in him, right, there's our end of the bargain. Through belief in him, we get um, eternal life, which is a restoration of our proper relationship with God. Yeah. That it, it lasts eternally. So I suppose that leads us to the uh, the big question. What does it mean that God gave his one and only son? Well, Hopefully, not necessarily, but hopefully um, 
if you're listening, you've heard of the cross um, and you recognize the symbol of Christianity mm-hmm. as the cross. And so one of the big things that the four gospels go through is they document, as we've said, the life and, and teachings of Jesus. But they all four culminate into uh, one specific event that all four of them cover. Um, And that is the betrayal of Jesus by one of his disciples, one of the the 12 disciples who are following Jesus, like Matthew, uh, Luke, and and John were. Mm -hmm. Um, A disciple by the name of, of Judas betrays Jesus to Roman guards and uh, actually like Jewish temple guards as well. And, and the reason they do this is because one of the things Jesus has been saying throughout his uh, time teaching is that he's the son of God. He's been yeah. saying this. He's, he's been comparing himself to God. And in Jewish law, it was blasphemy to equate yourself on that level with God. Of course, it wasn't blasphemy for Jesus because it was it was true. He was right. the son of God. You know, he was God himself. He can't, God can't blaspheme against himself. Um, and so the, the Jews take Jesus and um, they try him for blasphemy in their own, like, court. Yeah, maybe more specifically we should say Pharisees. Yes. Because obviously... And the Pharisees, of course, being the people who... Uh, like religious elite. The religious Jewish elite. religious yes. elite, yeah. They... As opposed to kind of... The everyday yeah, Jew. A lot of whom followed him. Yes. Good distinction to make. Yeah. And so um, they try him and they're like, yes, he has committed blasphemy. But under Roman rule, they did not have the power to kill him. All they could do was, I don't know. I don't know enough about the Roman rule at the time, but they couldn't kill him. I know, right. I know that much. And so they take him to the Roman governor mm-hmm. um, who's governing over this area of Judea, the uh, land of Canaan, under uh, Roman authority now. And he has the authority to kill Jesus. Yep. Um, Pontius Pilate, that's his name. And uh, so he tries Jesus, uh, not in the sense of a trial like we would expect today, but um, there's some questioning that goes on, documented most thoroughly in the Gospel of John, chapter 18. Um, the only reason I know this is because I've done a lot of research on <laughs> it recently. And um, what Pilate decides ultimately is that he thinks Jesus isn't guilty of the crime that the Jews are trying to um, pin against him, that the Pharisees are trying to pin mm-hmm. against him. So obviously the Romans are not Jews. Right. And so they're not going to kill him for blasphemy. Um, I mean, they could because the Romans have a different religious idea at the time, but that's apparently not what they were doing um, because they allowed the Jews to exist. But anyway, that's a side note. The Jews ultimately convince Pilate um, to kill Jesus. Pharisees ultimately convinced. Yes, the Pharisees. Although, I mean, there is a crowd. It seems like they gather a crowd. So I don't know. 
That's true, but I don't, I, all the verses that reference it's certainly not the planning all the Jews, but it's certainly planned and set up by the Pharisees and Sadducees. Yeah, because well, because all the verses referencing the planning is referring like they were it refers directly to Pharisees right. and Sadducees. But they they do rabble up a crowd. Yeah, but I mean, like that's not. There's a lot of like there's a lot of theory about why Pilate ultimately decides to go with the Jews. Part of it is fearing that if he didn't kill Jesus, then the Jews would have this whole big revolt and everything. But that's uh, outside of my realm of expertise, as most of this is, but that's <laughs> beside the point. And so what what the Romans do with Jesus is their typical form of uh, execution for criminals, which is called crucifixion. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, it's not so pleasant. No. You get spiked. Your two feet is basically, well, hopefully all of you know the symbol of a cross. That's mm -hmm. because that's what he was crucified on. So you have your nice cross. Um, and you got some nails in your feet to pay, like, well, actually, technically you do hands first. Um, so it's spiked through either hand to keep you upright. And then spiked through your feet. So you're basically hanging against gravity on uh, two wooden beams that are intersecting. In, and essentially what happens is as you bleed to death, you have to physically lift yourself up to be able to breathe. Every breath you have to lift yourself up uh, because based on the way that you're hanging, you, you can't breathe when you're like dropping down. Um, and so it's an incredibly long and painful death where you're basically suffocating. Um, and eventually you die when you can't push yourself up to breathe anymore. Um, and that's, that's kind of the gruesome end. Um, and it's incredibly, it's an incredibly painful way to die. Um, and on top of this, when Christ has died, he was already beaten. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he's, it's not just, uh, I mean, it's already a painful way to die, but he's already, already in, pain. in pain and mm -hmm. bleeding and, um, weakened from that. And so that's what it very much means in John three sixteen that God gave his one and only son. Mm -hmm. He literally sent Jesus for the purpose of dying that death, that terrible death on the cross. Fortunately, though, that is not the end of the story. Yeah, and we didn't really, I don't, we didn't really plan to get quite this far in depth specifically with no, but... um, this story, but I think another key thing to mention in um, giving up his one and only son is that they're like... Um, when Christ dies, he is momentarily separated from the Father. Um, and that's part of the giving up. Mm -hmm. um, where he's taking on the punishment for sin. Which is death. Yes, which is death. Um, but maybe more specifically is also, like sin itself, we talked about with coconut, is separation from God. Mm -hmm. um, and by Christ taking on our sin, he's separating himself from the Father. Right. And that is, that's part of the heavy cost of um, giving up. But Jesus himself was without sin. Yes. Because, I mean, he was God. So, you know, God can't sin. Um, that seems pretty intuitive, right? That God can't sin. And so there's a, a nice scripture. He became sin who knew no sin. Mm -hmm. um, that we might become the righteousness of God. And all that to say, very exciting news, y'all, is that... Um, he does not stay dead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, he comes back to life. 
That's why you have the kind of traditional death, bury, burial, and resurre- resurrection. Around and that's around. celebrated around Easter yes. time. And Easter so is the celebration. Resurrection. Um, that is kind of the, resurrection represents the completion of the bonds of sin, basically. It's the it's the restoration of the relationship. Yes. Or the means of that restoration. That's a better way of putting it. Because it is. I mean, as I said, you know, he became sin who knew no sin, right? So he took on our sin, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and was separated from God, um, which is what we are. We are in that yeah. position of separation um, because of our failure to uphold that relationship. But then, because he is also God, right, he is able to restore himself. And that provides, like, a route for us to also, through him, achieve that same redemption to God, the same restoration of our proper relationship now i'm hearing this really nice keyword relationship guess what i'm thinking of tim new covenant (laughs) is what i'm thinking um as we saw in the old testament there's this idea of covenant like making a covenant god making a covenant to people is inherently tied to kind of the restoration of a relationship Mm -hmm. and kind of the climax of the story is we could probably go on about this for so long it's a lot to there's so much to talk about in um, literally just in death, burial, and resurrection. It could go on forever. But the climax of it is that the relationship has been restored. Yes. Um, the final covenant. Yes. This is the the final covenant, the new covenant, um, where through Christ's death, we are able to be united with God again. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you remember back, way back when, when we were talking about the Trinity and we were talking about the Holy Spirit, um, this is when we get the Holy Spirit. That's a Holy Spirit yeah. is a part of um, this new covenant in the fact that we get the Holy Spirit indwelled within us, which basically means that. And we'll, I mean, later in this episode, we'll actually get wide in this. depth. Yes. Returning um, to what we were talking about then, or so many weeks ago at this point. So many weeks ago. Yeah. But that's the long story short. That is the long. That's the. Short story long incredible story of jesus and so that actually is where we end the history of god's faithfulness yeah because now it is that god has fulfilled Mm -hmm. uh, he has created a covenant with us that is fulfilled um because it, it achieves that purpose of restoring the relationship and one of the um interesting things to think about um is how we actually see um this uh love depicted Mm -hmm. um there is a scripture actually where um i think we actually we used it uh maybe not maybe we just talked about it when we were researching but that um jesus i think we did use it Jesus. I don't know what verse it is. Uh, I don't remember the gloss for it. I don't remember what it is. But like Jesus considered that death a joy. Right? It was yeah, a joy I to him. Was, I think we talked about that under joy. Joy was that? Is that yes? And so already we're seeing this tying together. Right? We're talking about love this week. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about faithfulness, and we're seeing 
while this love, one aspect of it, is that faithfulness, the restoration yeah. of the relationship, while another aspect of it is this joy. Um, and w- when we talked about joy, one thing we actually talked about was for um, Paul, and we looked at Philippians um, chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, and um, Paul said, you know, whatever were gains to me now, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons he says this is that um, um, that he might gain Christ and be found in him, um, not having a righteousness of his own that comes from a law, but that which is through faith in Christ. So we already see the importance mm-hmm. of this loving redemption through uh, the gospel yeah. mm-hmm. um, playing out now in faithfulness, which we've talked about. Yeah. Now, on joy, which we've talked about. What about everything else we've talked about? Yeah, so going back to gentleness, we have, we went, read through kind of this um, in John, John 10, there's this idea of um, the good shepherd. And Christ calls himself in, in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Um, and look at that, like that, we were talking about that in the context of what does it mean to be gentle? Mm-hmm. Um, and here we see, Christ being gentle through his laying, like through the laying down of his life, mm-hmm. um, the gentleness towards towards his sheep uh, as the shepherd protecting them and caring for them. And so we were talking about then then in like this gentle giant idea, um, and we see this that once again connected to love. It's through love that Christ is being this gentle giant, um, laying down his life. That we, as we read in the John 3.16 verse, may have eternal life. Yeah. And one of the reasons why we've been talking about these covenants in the first place actually ties back to the idea of goodness, right? When Mm -hmm. we talked about goodness way back when, um, one of the things we said, drawing from Romans 3.12, was that um, we've all turned away and um, there is none of us who does good. Right. Um, This idea that... Well, that's the corruption of that relationship with God. That's what happens yeah, in the very the beginning. Coconut. Yes, the, the coconut. Um, <laughs> Can't escape the metaphor. And we said, right, mm-hmm. in that week that our condition yeah. is to always seek the coconut. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, another verse that we didn't talk about at the time but that I enjoy attaching with this idea is um, Romans 3.23, which is, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, that idea that, well, you know, we just miss the mark every time for reaching that ultimate relationship with God. Which we saw in the Old Covenant over and over and over. Over and over, and over right, again. right. And that's the reason why, well, they go into captivity. Yeah. Um, and so, right, when we talked about goodness, we're seeing now that it has a very close connection as well with this idea of love. Yeah, especially with the follow-up of that verse, like the next part, 24, which says, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We see kind of the restoration of um, the sight, like of goodness mm-hmm. through Christ's death, yeah. through the loving act of Christ. Um, and I think we also see this in kindness, um, we were talking about the Good Samaritan mm-hmm. a lot when we were talking about kindness. And one of the interesting things about the verses we used for the Good Samaritan is that it it's actually comes from 
love your neighbor as, as yourself. yourself. Exactly. Right? Love yeah. already. Yeah, it's right there. The the whole reason why the Good Samaritan conversation comes up is because it's like talking about the two greatest commands, love mm-hmm. the Lord your God, um, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And then the, the um, I think, I forget who he was talking to. Was he talking to a Pharisee or was he talking to a no, he was just talking to some... Just a... Just a fellow. Yeah. A good uh, old fellow, it's I think. not... Um, um, anyway, a good old fellow. <laughs> like, what is... Who is my neighbor? And then the whole Good Samaritan thing happens. And so we see that love is so intertwined with kindness of... It's through love and through being loving that you are kind yeah, to others. That um, you're uh, putting off yourself for the sake yeah. of others. Um, just as Christ, Christ did for us. Exactly. Which we also saw in... Um, gentleness right? that yeah. being the good shepherd everything's just so interconnected yeah, um, i wonder why maybe it's one interconnected story <laughs> and to jesus <laughs> and this leads us all the way back to our first two weeks mm-hmm. um, where we talked about patience uh, and first we talked about peace mm-hmm. and in both of those um, weeks we looked at the idea of um, adoption yeah. Um, adoption. Into son, like into sonship, into sonship. Into family. Right. And so um, when we talked about patience, we looked specifically, one of the verses was uh, Romans 8, uh, verses 14 and 15. Um, and that says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God yeah. are the children of God. Um, uh, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. So this idea that um, receiving the spirit, which as you uh, introduced earlier is, um, uh, able to happen, uh, because Jesus died on the cross mm-hmm. because God gave himself up for us, gave his only son up for us. Now, uh, through the restoration of this relationship, we're actually able to receive God yeah. within ourselves. Um, and it's that very act that, um, adopts us mm-hmm. with Jesus. Um, as I said, you know, through Jesus, we're actually able to uh, enter that relationship yes. with God. And that's what it, that's what's happening when we receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And we saw that also when we we're talking about peace in Ephesians 2.14, um, which says like, for he himself is our peace, referring to Christ, who has made two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Um, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace, mm-hmm. and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. Um, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. And so in that verse we saw kind of the peace of God um, working in so many ways in this specific case it was reconciling not only the relationship between man and god but also between man mm-hmm. um, and so breaking down the barrier like this new covenant isn't just for the people of israel anymore um, it's for everyone, everyone. And so yeah. that divide between the people of god and those who are not the people of god is is has was gotten what christ got rid of it um, and in doing so, he brought about peace and allowed for the possibility of peace. Yeah. And just to make an even more explicit connection all the way back to now yesterday's topic, faithfulness mm-hmm. and that first covenant with Abraham. Yeah. Um, in Galatians 3.29, um, it says, if you belong to Christ, 
then you are Abraham's seed, mm-hmm. seed and are heirs according to the promise, yeah. um, which we glossed over at the time. But now we're able to see it's the fulfillment of of the original mm-hmm. co- covenant of I will be your God and you will be my people. Mm-hmm. And that's all of us now, which is pretty darn cool, if you ask me. Yes. But um, one thing that this verse introduce, introduces to us, as well as um, what we looked at in Romans, is the question then, how, how do you, you how do you get yeah, there? How do you get um, access to the Father? Right. It says that through Christ. We how, have how do you belong mm-hmm. to Christ? Yeah, so I think we can probably I mean there this is referenced a few times throughout the, the New Testament. Um I think we can maybe start with um if we want to start with Romans ten nine or uh let's start with John. John, okay. So if we go over to John, um John one twelve says um Let's see where we want to start. Yeah, let's start. Uh, do you mind if I start at 9? It's a little bit before, but I think it gives... Yeah, go ahead. Context. Okay. 9 says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, and that would be Christ. Mm-hmm. He was in the world, and through the world was... And okay. though the world was made through him, because he was God, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Right, so that's the hostility that of the, the Jews. <sighs> the killing. Yes. Um, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that's the Abraham part. Mm-hmm. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And so this is tying us into that adoption, right? Mm-hmm. And now we see explicitly, right, that we get this adoption, yeah. um, the right, as it says, to become children of God when we believe mm-hmm. in his name. But, so then the question is... That's still kind of ambiguous. Yeah, what's believe mean? Mm-hmm. And I think it's it. we're right to have it be ambiguous. It's a little bit... It's like, well, there's... Okay, there's another verse, and I think it's in John, um, or First John, that says, uh, like, even the demons believe in God and right. shudder, right? So there is this idea of belief being kind of a complicated thing, where it's like, what is true belief? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we jump over to Romans 10, 9... It's a little bit more explicit in terms of what's for, what true belief actually is. Right. And in Romans 10, 9, Paul writes, if you believe with your mouth, or sorry, <laughs> if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Mm-hmm. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, that's much clearer. It's through that. That's kind of going back, jumping back up to the Ephesians verse that we were just talking about that we kind of came through. The ending of that is through Christ. We both have access to the Father by one spirit. And there's this idea that by declaring with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we're saved, which not only means eternal life, but it also means right now in the present that we're given access to the Father Mm -hmm. by the Spirit. So here's the Trinity coming together. It's through Christ that we have access to the spirit and through the spirit that we are able to talk. Well, that's a weird way of putting it, but like through Christ, we have the spirit and then we have access to the father. Right. Through that. It, yes. It's like Christ is the tunnel. <laughs> uh, and, um, the spirit is like the cab driver. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. So it's like <laughs> Jesus is Lincoln Tunnel, and we're in New Jersey, and uh, and God is Manhattan, and <laughs> and uh, we need to take a taxi, and that taxi mm-hmm. driver is the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay, I see what you're doing there. I think, yeah, that works. We'll say that. But, I mean, of, of course, the important caveat then is, well, I think these are all great depictions, right? They're like images and metaphors of what happens. Mm-hmm. But in reality, like our minds are just too puny, right? <laughs> They're finite and we can't comprehend. Yeah, uh, the infinite. The infinite, like what God. is actually going on here. And so we create these images that are a little easier to understand. Yeah. So... Now we know what true love is, right? We've gotten to see kind of the true love of God Mm -hmm. in having the Son die for our sins to be able to give us access to the Father through the Holy Spirit. I guess a question that I think kind of follows through all of this is, well, what does it mean for us to love, right? Well, I think um, what I would say is that it is actually a byproduct of having the Holy Spirit, of being adopted Mm -hmm. into sonship. We have access now to God and through God. We also have access to uh, God is love. We have access to that true love. And so we ourselves are able to love, um, as it says somewhere, because he first loved us. And I think Galatians, Galatians 5, 22 to 23 kind of speaks directly to that. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of... speaks directly to everything. uh, It speaks directly to everything, um, which says by the fruit, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so by fruit of the spirit, right, we're meaning that these are the the results in ourselves. Of having the Holy Spirit in us. Right. Because of Christ. Now, you might notice in there, there's uh, one that we haven't talked about, right? We've talked about love today. We talked about joy and, and uh, a couple of weeks ago, peace, long time ago, patience as well, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Uh, but we have not mentioned self-control up until this point. And that would be because we're human. Yes. Um, we forgot about self-control. Just slightly. <laughs> until we were starting this episode and went, wait, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're at the end of this episode. We really wanted to wrap it up with love because... It's unifying. Yeah, I mean, love I, is unifying. I hope, I hope we've painted this picture now that you can see how everything relates to this act of love mm-hmm. of God giving himself yeah. up for us. But that's not to say that self-control isn't important. Right. Um, it just means that we're human. <laughs> you know, we've sinned and fallen short of God's goodness. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we we um, need Jesus. <laughs> oh, we really do. And so I think... We'd like to, you know, put a little note here and say that if you'd like to do more research on self-control, because it is incredibly important. I think mm-hmm. we were talking earlier that like it kind of is required for right. all of the other... One of, one of the ways I think about it is it's like, it's the fruit of the spirit that enables the other fruits of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Like it's the act of engaging the fruits of the spirit. Yeah. But I mean, that's one way I look at it. Maybe you'll see, see something different. If you read, actually... Um, Titus 2, 11 and 12, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think a pretty good picture of what um, self-control is there. Yeah, it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Um, 
I highly recommend you start there and then jump all over the Bible. As yes. You Hopefully you have a, a study Bible to give you some place to go from that. Um, but with that important caveat aside, um, <laughs> that is what true love is. Um, mm-hmm. It is it's God's love for us as demonstrated through the sacrifice of Jesus, the yeah. death, burial, and then resurrection, um, Jesus' cru- crucifixion, and that process that brings about our redemption, the restoration of our relationship with Jesus or with God. Um, that is has been the goal of um, all history, actually. Um, And then we mirror that true love, uh, right? Because God first loved us, therefore we are able to love by the power of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. vested in us that we attain through the adoption to sonship enabled by Jesus' death, as you would have it. Um, And we have the Holy Spirit by faith, by that belief and confession of Jesus as our Lord. Yeah, so today we kind of looked at finishing up the story of the like God's relationship with mm-hmm. man. So we were left off last week in captivity. We ended this week um, actually still in captivity, like literal <laughs> captivity, but not bounded by sin anymore, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. So not a captive in that respect. More, um, more free than any earthly freedom. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. We uh, presented kind of this new covenant the fulfillment of the old covenant of Christ coming and dying for our sins, that we could have a true restoration of a relationship with Mm -hmm. God, the way it was meant to be um, through the Holy spirit. And then we went through kind of what the Holy spirit does in our life, um, what it looks like. And so we have, we have joy, we have gentleness, we have goodness, we have kindness, we have patience, we have peace. Um, And those are all things that we have because Christ has. And so Mm -hmm. um, we looked kind of at first, because we've talked about all of them before in our context, but this time we looked at it from coming from Christ's love for us. And so how do all those things manifest in in God's love? Um, And then we're kind of leaving it off as that being kind of the fruits of the Spirit in our life if we choose to accept Christ as our Lord um, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. Mm -hmm. Um, That gift of Holy Spirit is is completely open or sorry that gift of a reunited relationship with god is open to anyone yeah um as well like if they choose to choose to believe right um and so we got to discuss a little bit about what that belief looks like and what it means for kind of the future of our lives mm-hmm. right and so i mean if if anyone is out there like asking you know how do you have love how do you have gentleness how do you have peace and, and patience i think well, we've answered that question very circuitously, uh, cir- 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 in a very roundabout manner. Uh, I've tried to use a big word there. That was too big. <laughs> too big for me. Uh, little brain here. Um, right, in this roundabout manner, we've answered that question mm-hmm. now after eight weeks of, um, well, the way you achieve those yeah. is by recognizing, first of all, that you need Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. That you aren't good on your own. And then accepting him as your savior, um, relying on him to restore your relationship with God um, and having faith that, well, he accomplished that in his death, burial, and resurrection. And that concludes 
the entire work that we've put into the last, what, eight weeks? Eight, yeah, this is the eighth week. Eight, eight weeks. Right? Uh, no, this is the ninth. Ninth, if you include the... The first one, but not really. It the, wasn't part of the series yet. So eight, uh, about eight weeks. Eight weeks. Um, so some people might ask now, uh, well, what comes next? And uh, we're in the process of figuring out what exactly comes next. Um, we will have more episodes, of course. We'll have a new episode next week, actually. Yeah. Um, we're going to have a new episode every week until Christmas Eve. Um, and on Christmas Eve, we'll release our last episode for this semester. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, keep keep up to date. Uh, keep looking out for new episodes. And what we're going to try and focus on, um, we're going to try and lighten the mood quite a bit and, like, bring some hope and um, really speak about bright and happy things uh, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, which we'll have an episode for, and Christmas Eve, which will culminate in. Yeah, so thank you all for tuning in this week. Um, We appreciate having you guys listen to our Chitter Chattering. Um, Be sure to stay up to date with The Good Fight by following Columbia Witness on Facebook or Instagram. Um, You can also email us so that if you want to get more engaged at uh, witnessthegoodfight at gmail.com. And then kind of finally, one of the best things that you can do right now is that if there's anything that struck your fancy in this episode Mm -hmm. um, that interests you and that you want... In the entire arc, or yeah, or the last entire episodes. arc of all these episodes, just send it to a friend, please. We'd really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, get to have a conversation about what we're conversing on. For the, it'd be wonderful for these conversations just to keep keep happening and continuing, um, and for more people to get to get to join in. Right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on the Good Fight where campus meets Christ.